0: Welcome, welcome. If you're just joining in online, we want to welcome you guys. I like to read uh, children's books. Tom, I'm from Kentucky. I don't know if you guys all know that, but, uh, you know, children's books have a lot of pictures, so that's kind of my style. But Francis Chan, if you've never heard of Francis Chan or if you've never listened to Francis Chan or read any of his books, he is absolutely fantastic. I highly recommend... A book by Francis Chan called crazy love it's been around for years now but it will change your life it is fantastic but Francis Chan wrote a children's book and it's entitled uh, the big red tractor and the little village this is what he writes in the children's book he says there's a little village where the people live off of what they farm each year each year they pull out their big red tractor and use it to plow their fields They attach ropes to it, and they get a group together. Some pull the tractor with the ropes, and some push every day of plowing season, and they move the tractor a little further across the field. On a good day, they move that tractor about 10 feet. They feel blessed to have such a great tractor. They work hard all plowing season, and they manage to get the whole field plowed just in time to plant before the rains come. The rains come and the harvest grows and the little village has just enough food to make it through till the following year. If only they had a way to plow that field more quickly. If only it was within their power to be more fruitful. But this is how things have always been done. They manage and it works. We'll come back to the big red tractor in a little while. But have you ever tried to buy something that was not for sale? Have you ever tried to buy something that was not for sale? Michelle and I led a group of people on a trip with our partner church in Nairobi Chapel in Kenya. And on the trip, we had the opportunity to visit the Maasai tribe. Here's a picture of the Maasai tribe in the Maasai Mara, which is like the Serengeti. Now, you know, I think Our TV and discovery channels do an injustice to Africa in many ways, Uh, but most of Kenya is actually similar to here. They dress really well. In fact, they actually dress better than we do. They have doctors and lawyers and business people just like the states, and they have nice cars and, and so on. So I don't want you to get the idea when you watch, if you've never been to Africa before, that all of Kenya is like the Maasai tribe. But the Maasai tribes are quite famous. They've been on the Discovery Channel. They wear their red, I don't know what you call those, sashes. And uh, they carry spears, and they are known as the lion hunters. It's, they're actually, it's actually an amazing culture, an amazing tribe. They have a symbiotic relationship with the lions and nature itself. In fact, when Michelle and I were on safari, we hired a couple of Maasai warriors to stand outside of our tent Uh, with spears to guard us from the lions and they live quite differently than us and they uh, they have these villages with huts and the huts are made out of cow dung mixed with mud and they are shepherds for cattle and goats and they literally live off the land and so on one occasion we visited one of their villages and I don't I think there's another picture here we're inside of one of the huts, and Michelle accidentally sat on the chief the tribal chief's chair. we didn't know that was his chair when she sat on it. but we got to visit the home of the tribal chief and you know the thing about the Maasai culture is the higher up in the tribe that you are the more the more wives that you have and so this chief had like four wives and after this was not the chief here, this was just a, his his uh, assistant but the the um The chief had kind of spent a little time, got to know Michelle some. And so, you know, it was a status thing. It was a status thing to have different wives. And, you know, it's just very different. It's different. It's it's so fun to visit different cultures uh, if you haven't had an opportunity to do that, even if you don't agree with the culture. But when we were done, the chief looked at me and he said, I'll give you three cows for your wife. (laughs) And I politely said, you know, I'm sorry, she's not for sale. He said, how about three cows and a flock of chickens? Michelle wasn't too happy when I paused. (laughs) I said, I don't know. No, that's very generous, but I don't have any way to get them home. You know, (laughs) I found out later that one of the other men in the group was offered two cows for his wife, which really started a fun conversation between the ladies afterwards in which they were bragging, well, I was up to three cows and a flock of chickens, and they're, what? I only was going to go for two cows. You would think this was an isolated incident, but I just found out that Pastor Mike was offered several camels for Patricia on one of his trips. (laughs) I'll let Michelle and Patricia argue over which is worth more, a camel or a cow. I don't know. Now, I think, I think that the Maasai were mostly having fun with us, and I don't want to make light, certainly, of a real global problem we have with people selling people. People should never be for sale. People should never be for sale. Some things you just can't buy. People should absolutely be one of those things, and buying our way to God, and even more specifically, trying to buy the power of the Holy Spirit is absolutely wrong and not for sale. Now, I tell you that story because there's an occasion in the Scripture when someone actually tried to buy the power of the Holy Spirit. In fact, it's been said that uh, he was the very first false convert to Christianity. And so the big question that I want us to wrestle with in our short time together today is, are you coming to church or are you worshiping God in order to get something for yourself or perhaps are you coming to God or are you giving to God as a way to sort of negotiate with God or maybe even trying to buy your way to heaven or Are you worshiping God and submitting to him because of what he has already done for you and for his power and for his majesty and for the wondrousness, yes, that's a word. I looked it up after I said it, wondrousness of God. And today, I wanna make us more aware of the Holy Spirit's power, like Todd was talking about in his communion thought, and how we sometimes without even realizing it, might be attempting to purchase the power of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is not something that we can purchase or buy, not with money, not with good deeds, not with our actions. The Holy Spirit is not a thing that you can buy. In fact, the Holy Spirit is not a thing at all. The Holy Spirit is a person. It's the third person in the Godhead Trinity. It's a third person. There is God the Father. There is Jesus Christ, the Son, that's God in the flesh, and there is the Holy Spirit, the power of God as a distinct person. All three very different and have different forms and different functions. Now, this is, the Trinity, is one of the greatest mysteries of God. It is one of the greatest mysteries of God. How it all works exactly, I don't have all the answers, and honestly, I don't know that I would trust any leader who says that they have that all figured out perfectly. But maybe you're asking, who would ever try to buy the Holy Spirit? Well, this first false convert of Christianity, his name was Simon the Sorcerer or Simon the Magician. Simon was a common name, not to be cute, confused with Simon Peter, but he was this was Simon the sorcerer. He was a magician, you know. Before we get into Simon the sorcerer, let me catch you up on uh, where we are if you're just now joining us. We're going through the book of Acts, which is the continued work. The book of Acts is the continued work of Jesus after his ascension into heaven, and the Holy Spirit comes and falls on the church and on the Christians and on the people. And after Jesus ascends into heaven, the Holy Spirit comes on the church, and the church begins to grow. This is kind of what the story of the book of Acts is. It's a history book of the early church. And the first churches were being born. And during that time, there was a great persecution for those who had decided that they were going to follow after Jesus. There was a great persecution in the land against Christians. And the persecution caused the followers of Jesus to begin to scatter outside of Jerusalem. They began to scatter all around the region and all around the area. And as they scattered and as they fled the persecution, they began teaching and preaching about Jesus everywhere that they they went. And sometimes, it's just good for us to know this, even in our culture today, sometimes persecution of the church, persecution of Christians is used by God for the followers of Jesus to actually get off the fence and to actually start doing what he has called us to do in sharing the light of Christ with those around us. Now, Philip, we're going to get to the Scripture here in just a second, and Philip is the main player. And Philip was one of the followers of Jesus that was scattered. Now, there were four different Philips in Scripture, four different Philips that are mentioned in Scripture. Two of them were sons of Herod the Great. Uh, One was the disciple, the apostle of Jesus, And then the fourth one, which we're going to see here in Acts chapter 8, is Philip the evangelist, a different Philip than the disciple and apostle of Jesus. We're not 100% certain about that, that there's two different people, but there's really, really good evidence that this Philip that we're looking at in Acts chapter 8 is actually a different person than Philip the disciple and apostle of Jesus. Not all that important for us to know, but it's just good for you to, uh, to, to know that. And so this week, we're jumping back into the book of Acts. And if you stay with us, by the end of the year or sometime next year, we'll have gone through the entire book of Acts, and we're going to tuck some other, um, some other series in with Christmas and different things coming along the way. But today, jumping back into Acts, Acts chapter 8, we're going to look at a false convert, someone who became a Christian for the wrong reason. Simon became a Christian for the wrong reason reason. And then next week, we're going to look at another, um, another act of Philip where somebody came to Christ for the right reason. So here we are, Acts chapter 8. Pastor Jason challenged you last week to bring your Bible with you. So if you have your Bible, you can turn to Acts chapter 8. Uh, if you have your phone, if you have the Bible app, I highly encourage you uh, to get the Bible. I could carry my Bible with me everywhere I go, you know. So here's uh, Acts chapter 8. But the believers who were scattered because of the persecution, preach the good news about Jesus wherever they went. Philip, for example, I like that, where it just says, for example, not all the stories of all the conversions that happened are in the scriptures. We would not be able to contain, a library wouldn't be able to contain all the stories. We'll, get, we'll have all eternity to hear all the different stories. This is just one example of the, of the life change that happened after they were persecuted and Philip was teaching about Jesus. He says, Philip, for example went to the city of Samaria and told the people there about the Messiah, about Jesus. Crowds listened intently to Philip because they were eager to hear his message and see the miraculous signs he did. Many evil spirits were cast out. He was an exorcist. Many of the evil spirits were cast out, screaming as they left their victims. Now, we don't talk about demon possession much in our culture today. However, I just want you to know that it is a very, very real thing. Demon possession is a very real thing. Christians, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you do not have to worry, not to fear. You cannot be possessed by a demon. You can be oppressed by a demon, but you cannot be possessed by a demon. Now, I know demons may sound weird to you. However, if you believe in the Bible, which I hope that you do, if you then you have to believe in god if you believe in god you have to believe in jesus his son you have to believe in the holy spirit you also have to believe in angels and you also have to believe in demons it's not good theology to believe in one and not believe in the other the scripture is accurate and he talks about that demon possession is not very common today but it does happen you know i had a i had a family one time come up to me young family Uh, in the church I was serving in Orlando, and they brought their baby in to me on a Sunday morning right before services, and they said, do you do exorcisms? And I said, I've never done it before. I'm not opposed to trying. What you got going on? They said, well, you know, it's our baby. Our baby's demon-possessed. Oh, what's what's that look like? Well, she's crying all the time. She's just crying and crying nonstop. And I was just thinking to myself, we had another staff member that served sort of like Mike, and I went, hey, Mike, here's one for you. Can you come over here? (laughs) This baby's demon-possessed. I'll see you later. I would never be hired to be the exorcist of the Pope, for sure. But anyway, demon possession really does happen. A lot of times it's just simply, you know, colicky babies. (laughs) I don't think demons can possess babies. I just thought it was a funny story. So Philip goes on to perform more miracles. By the way, I believe that... Jesus was actually because Jesus was actually walking the earth during this time that there was far more supernatural spiritual experiences that were happening and miracles that were happening at this time and so Philip's preaching and teaching he's casting out demons from people and it says and many who had been paralyzed or lame were healed so he's healing people as well so there was a great joy in the city and a man named Simon had been a sorcerer there for many years amazing the people of Samaria and claiming to be someone great everyone from the least to the greatest often spoke of Simon the sorcerer as the great one, the power of God. And they listened closely to him because for a long time he had astounded them with his magic. Now let me just describe Simon's magic just a little bit or describe Simon to you. Simon was from the town of Samaria, which is just north of Jerusalem. Samaria is a land where the people are Jewish, but they're not quite Jewish they share some beliefs and backgrounds with their Jewish neighbors, but this has really only caused religious division. They, they kind of know enough to get themselves in trouble, kind of like me doing plumbing around my house, you know. They know just enough to get themselves in trouble, which is perhaps why uh, Simon is someone who has so much power. Now, this was not some guy that was hired to go to bar mitzvahs, and he was dressed in coattails, pulling rabbits out of a hat or a quarter out of an ear. There's nothing wrong with that kind of magic of illusions. That's just fun, and there's no harm in that. However, there is a sorcery that is a demonic type of magic that is real. That's why I always say if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you should never participate in horoscopes or Ouija boards or crystals or anything that hints of dark magic, anything that's in the demonic realm. That's a message for another day. But Simon is arrogant, Simon is prideful, and he claims to be someone great. And the people of Samaria think he has divine powers, the great power of God, maybe like like a a miniature Hercules or Perseus or or the sons of Zeus, you know. And, And this is the root of all idolatry, thinking that we can manipulate God or thinking that we can control God. Maybe even thinking that we can control God with our religious deeds or our prayers or our words. And what I want to say, and through this scripture, we see that the Holy Spirit will not be bought. The Holy Spirit will not be bought. The Holy Spirit, He, because He's a person, He, not it, He is far too powerful to be controlled by us. Let's go on. But now, Philip's been preaching And the people believed Philip's message of God. Uh, They believed the message of good news concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ. And as a result, many men and women were baptized. Now, I'll just throw this in for this morning, but one of the first acts that we should do when we come to a point of belief is to be baptized by immersion into Jesus Christ. But not everyone uh, realizes that. And some people have been Christians for many years before they realize they need to be baptized. So, if you believe in Jesus and you've never been baptized by immersion before, I believe you should do that. We'll have an opportunity at the end of the service today. That if anybody wants to come forward and talk about that, you can come forward and, and we'll talk about that. But Simon sees. Uh, oh, then oh, it says it says then Simon himself believed and he was baptized. So here he is. This. Simon the sorcerer believed and was baptized. Sounds good, right? On the surface. He began following Philip wherever he went, and he was amazed by the signs and great miracles that Philip performed. So Simon sees that the Holy Spirit is unstoppable. The Holy Spirit through Philip brings people to faith and repentance, and through the Holy Spirit, Philip performs great signs and miracles. And I was just thinking, you know, if we as a whole, as a people of God, It could even just taste the Spirit's power like Philip did. It could change everything in your life and mine, everything. And in our story, Simon the Sorcerer, he recognizes there is this unstoppable power, and he wants it. He wants this power. Again, doesn't seem like a bad thing. We all should want the power of the Holy Spirit working in our lives. The big conflict for today is, though, he wanted it with the wrong motives, He wanted it for the wrong motives. He wants the Spirit's power for himself. He doesn't want it to build up the church. He doesn't want it to draw closer to God. Simon wants the Holy Spirit for his own purposes, and that's not how the Holy Spirit works. Here's what Scripture says. When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that the people of Samaria had accepted God's message, they sent in the big dogs. Well, that's not in Scripture, but they sent in Peter and John, The apostles come on the scene now. And as soon as they arrived, they prayed for these new believers to receive the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit had not yet come upon any of them for they had only been baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then Peter and John laid their hands upon these believers and they received the Holy Spirit. When Simon saw that the Spirit was given, when the apostles laid their hands on him, here we go, he offered them money to buy this power. He says, let me have this power too. He exclaimed, here's a bag of money. I'll give you this money if I can have this power so that when I lay hands on people, they will receive the Holy Spirit as well. Now, this really ticked Peter off, really offends Peter as it should. And Peter says, may your money be destroyed with you for thinking God's gift can be bought You can have no part in this for your heart is not right with God. You need to repent of your wickedness and pray to the Lord and maybe, just maybe, he'll forgive your evil thoughts for I can see that you're full of bitter jealousy and you're held captive by your sin. And then he says, pray to the Lord for me, Simon exclaimed, that these terrible things you've said won't happen to me. Now, we don't know a lot about what happened to Simon the sorcerer after that day. However, Simon is not just written in Scripture. Justin Martyr, who was a theologian in the third century and also a historian, he wrote about Simon the sorcerer in his writings. Now, this isn't in the Bible, but this is what Justin Martyr writes about Simon the sorcerer. The legend has it that Simon was trying to demonstrate his power uh, and that he was going to fly from a rooftop in Rome, and, well, he did. You know, he died. He, he didn't, wasn't able to do it. And so the message for today is that you cannot, you cannot buy your way to God. You cannot buy the power of the Holy Spirit. You cannot give enough money or do enough good deeds to pay for your sins. Your sins have already been bought. They've already been bought and paid for on the cross. Now, we talk about generosity a lot, and we are called to be a generous people, and we should absolutely give to the Lord. Every single one of us should be generous with our time, with our treasures, and with our talent that God has given us, but make no mistake about it. Our generosity should be out of the great love that we have for what God has already done for us. We don't give to God. We don't serve God to pay for something or pay for our sins or something that's been done or trying to acquire the power of the Holy Spirit. We're cheapening what God has already done for us if we're trying to do that. Even, even, I think about this, even, you know, with, with some people are worried, well, what happens with the church? And if, if taxes are no longer tax deductible from the government, who cares? That's not why we give. We don't give for that reason. That's to try to get something back in return. We give out of an abundance because of what God has already done for us. He has already bought and paid for us to have the free gift of salvation by believing in Jesus. And every one of us can live with the power of the Holy Spirit living inside of us. It is free, it can't be bought, and every single one of us can possess the power of the Holy Spirit. God, God living inside of us. Todd talked about the Spirit that was hovering over the water of creation. I talk about this a lot. The same power of the Holy Spirit that hovered over waters of creation, that parted the Red Sea, that raised Jesus from the dead, Romans says, is the same Spirit that is alive and well inside of you. You can possess the power of the Holy Spirit in your life, but it can't be bought. It can't be bought. The problem is many believers, many believers today are not living with the power of the Holy Spirit in their lives. They simply are trying to do everything on their own. Some of you may even be trying to do everything on your own. You believe in God. You come to church. You give faithfully. You serve, but you're trying to do this on your own by your own power, by your own power. Remember the big red tractor and the townspeople were plowing their field with the big red tractor by tying ropes to it, trying to pull the tractor and trying to push the tractor. Well, to date myself, as Paul Harvey used to say, and now the rest of the story, We would do it like Paul Harvey. I don't even know if I can remember. And now, the rest of the story. (laughs) That winter, one of the farmers in the little village is clearing out his attic when he discovers the owner's manual for the big red tractor. (laughs) It explains how to own and operate a tractor. He is completely surprised to discover that if you put fuel in the tractor, it will run itself. It will run freely without anyone needing to push or pull the tractor. In fact, the tractor can actually plow an entire field in a single day. The owner is so amazed the next day he tells the town, but none of the townspeople believe him. The tractor can't do that, they said we know how to operate a tractor you need ropes and to push really hard none of the villagers believe but the farmer begins to work on fixing the big red tractor he replaces those parts that are broken and rusted he cleans the filters and he fills it with oil and fuel finally right at the beginning of plowing season late at night when he's done working on the tractor he turns it on and it roars to life He's so excited he plows the whole field that night. The next day the villagers wake up and can't believe their eyes. The entire field is plowed and they found the fa- farmer sleeping on the tractor. He was right. He was right. The tractor really can do it all. That year the villagers plow more fields and farm more food than they ever farmed before. They bring in such a harvest they can feed other towns and villages and when they discover the big red tractor had a power all its own, it changed everything. Francis Chan explains that in his illustration in the big red tractor, is the church empowered by the Holy Spirit? The church empowered. By the holy spirit and when the holy spirit is freely leading and guiding and energizing the church and in your life there's no field that we can't plow not in venice or not even anywhere where our message of influence comes around the world from people watching and why can't the holy spirit still perform great signs and miracles he can why can't thousands come to faith as they did in acts they can but maybe the reason sometimes he doesn't is because we're trying to push and pull and do things on our own by our own hard labor. Maybe the Spirit would come if we needed him, if we took the time to ask him to lead us. And God is willing to pour out his Holy Spirit on us as a gift. Freely receiving the Holy Spirit leads to change lives it'll change your world. Do we believe in the Holy Spirit's power? Do we as a church wanna see the Holy Spirit move freely among us? Or do we feel like we have to earn his presence at center point? Do we think that we have to pull the tractor for things to happen and push the tractor? The Holy Spirit comes freely by God's will. So I wanted to do something a little different We've got we've got a few minutes here. I'm just going to ask you if you'll stand. I'm going to ask Pastor Mike to come up over here to your left. And I'll be over here to your right. And I'll ask our prayer team to come forward. And there'll be more. How about they, you guys come more in the center? How about that? And if you're somebody who's never been baptized, but you want to talk about that, you want to pray about that, and that's something on your heart and mind, would you come and let pastor mike pray with you and talk with you about that and we'll we'll talk about what that looks like and if if you want to pray to have the holy spirit more in your life i'm going to be over here i'd love to pray with you and pray for that it's my favorite things to pray for and if maybe none of this has anything to do with what's going on you came in you got something else going on in your life i'm gonna ask our prayer team if they'll come forward and any of our elders come forward and if you have any prayer needs that are outside of that would you ask them uh, to pray with you this morning and we're going to pray and then the, the worship team will start singing a song and you can come during that song and we'll spend some time praying together okay heavenly father we come this morning thanking you for the power of your holy spirit and god forgive us for times we've tried to buy the holy spirit or trying to come or or serve or, or give in order to get something in return all we want more all we want god is just more of you more of you more of you not something selfishly, but more of you in our lives. For what you have already done, we give you thanks. In Jesus' name, amen. If you have any prayer needs, please come.